The French Revolution, A History by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution. Book 1, The Feast of Pikes, Chapter 11, As in the Age of Gold. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 1, Chapter 11, As in the Age of Gold. Meanwhile in Paris, ever going and returning, day after day and all day long, towards that field of Mars, it becomes painfully apparent that the spade-work there cannot be got done in time. There is such an arena of it, 300,000 square feet. For from the École Militaire, which will need to be done up in wood with balconies and galleries, westward to the gate by the river, where also shall be wood in triumphal arches, we count some thousand yards of length, and for breadth from this umbrageous avenue of eight rows on the south side to that corresponding one on the north, some thousand feet, more or less. All this to be scooped out and wheeled up in slope along the sides, high enough, for it must be rammed down there and shaped stairwise into as many as thirty ranges of convenient seats, firm trimmed with turf covered with enduring timber, and then our huge pyramidal fatherland's altar, or de la patrie, in the centre also to be raised and stair-stepped. Force work with a vengeance, it is a world's amphitheatre. There are but fifteen days, good, and at this languid rate it might take half as many weeks. What is singular, too, the spade men seem to work lazily. They will not work double tides even for offer of more wages, though their tide is but seven hours. They declare angrily that the human tabernacle requires occasional rest. Is it aristocrats secretly bribing? Aristocrats were capable of that. Only six months since did not evidence get afloat that subterranean Paris, for we stand over quarries and catacombs, dangerously, as it were, midway between heaven and the abyss, and are hollow underground, was charged with gunpowder which should make us leap, till a Cordelia's deputation actually went to examine and found it carried off again. An accursed, incurable brood, all asking for passports in these sacred days, trouble of rioting chateau burning is in the limousin and elsewhere, for they are busy. Between the best of peoples and the best of restorer kings they would sow grudges, with what a fiend's grin they would see this federation looked for by the universe fail. Fail for want of spade work, however, it shall not. He that has four limbs and a French heart can do spade work, and will. On the 1st July Monday, scarcely has the signal cannon boomed, scarcely have the languescent mercenary 15,000 laid down their tools, and the eyes of onlookers turned sorrowfully to the still high sun, when this and the other patriot, fire in his eye, snatches barrow and mattock and himself begins indignantly wheeling, whom scores and then hundreds follow and soon a volunteer fifteen thousand are shovelling and trundling with the heart of giants, and all in right order with that extemporaneous adroitness of theirs, whereby such a lift has been given, were three mercenary ones, which may end when the late twilight thickens, in triumph shouts heard or heard of beyond Montmartre. A sympathetic population will wait next day with eagerness till the tools are free. Or why wait? Spades elsewhere exist. 
And so now burst forth that effulgence of Parisian enthusiasm, good-heartedness and brotherly love, such if chroniclers are trustworthy as was not witnessed since the age of gold. Paris, male and female, precipitates itself towards its southwest extremity, spade on shoulder. Streams of men without order or in order as ranked fellow craftsmen, as natural or accidental reunions, march towards the field of Mars. Three deep these march to the sound of stringed music, preceded by young girls with green boughs and trickler streamers. They have shouldered soldier-wise their shovels and picks, and with one throat are singing, Sa ira! Yes, pas dieu, sa ira! cry the passengers on the street. All corporate guilds and public and private bodies of citizens, from the highest to the lowest, march. The very hawkers, one finds, have ceased bawling for one day. The neighbouring villagers turn out. Their able men come marching to village fiddle or tambourine and triangle under their mare or mare and curate, who also walk bespaded and in trickler sash. As many as 150,000 workers, nay, at certain seasons, as some count, 250,000. For in the afternoon especially, what mortal but finishing his hasty day's work would run? A stirring city. From the time you reach the Place Louise Cairns, southward over the river, by all avenues it is one living throng. So many workers, and no mercenary mock-workers, but real ones, that lie freely to it. Each patriot stretches himself against the stubborn glebe, hews and wheels with the whole weight that is in him. Amiable infants, amable enfants. They do the police des ateliers too, the guidance and governance themselves, with that ready will of theirs, with that extemporaneous adroitness. It is a true brethren's work, all distinctions confounded, abolished, as it was in the beginning when Adam himself delved. Long-frocked, tonsured monks with short-skirted water-carriers with swallowed tails, well-fizzled incroyables of a patriot turn, Dark charcoalmen, meal-white peruke-makers or peruke-wearers, for advocates and judges are there, and all heads of districts, sober nuns, sister-like with flaunting nymphs of the opera, and females in common circumstance named unfortunate. The patriot rag-pigger and perfumed dweller in palaces, for patriotism, like new birth and also like death, levels all. The printers have come marching. Prudhommes, all in paper caps with Révolution de Paris printed on them, as Camille notes, wishing that in these great days there should be a Pacte des Acrevins too, or Federation of Able Editors. Beautiful to see. The snowy linen and delicate pantaloon alternates with the soiled check shirt and bushel breeches, for both have cast their coats, and under both are four limbs and a set of patriot muscles. There do they pick and shovel or bend forward, yoked in long strings to box-barrow or overloaded tumbrel, joyous, with one mind. Abbé is seen pulling, wiry, vehement, if too light for draught, by the side of Beauharnais, who shall get kings, though he be none. Abbé Maurice did not pull, but the charcoalman brought a mummer guised like him, so he had to pull in effigy. Let no august senator disdain the work. Mere Bailly, Generalissimo Lafayette are there, and alas shall be there again another day.
The king himself comes to see, sky-rending, vive le roi, and suddenly, with shouldered spades, they form a guard of honour round him. Whosoever can come, comes, to work or to look, and bless the work. Whole families have come. One whole family we see clearly, of three generations, the father picking, the mother shoveling, the young ones wheeling, assiduous. Old grandfather, hoary, with ninety-three years, holds in his arms the youngest of all. Frisky, not helpful this one, who nevertheless may tell it to his grandchildren, and how the future and the past alike look on, and with failing or with half-formed voice faltered their sa-ira. A vintner has wheeled in on patriot truck, beverage of wine. Drink not, my brothers, if ye are not dry, that your cask may last the longer. Neither did any drink, but men evidently exhausted. A dapper abbe looks on sneering. To the barrow, cries several, whom he, lest a worse thing befall him, obeys. Nevertheless, one wiser patriot barrowman, arriving now, interposes his arete. Setting down his own barrow, he snatches the abbe's, trundles it fast like an infected thing, forth of the Champ de Mars circuit, and discharges it there. Thus too a certain person, of some quality or private capital to appearance, Entering hastily, flings down his coat, waistcoat, and two watches, and is rushing to the thick of the work. But your watches, cries the general voice. Does one distrust his brothers, answers he, nor were the watches stolen. How beautiful is noble sentiment, like gossamer gauze, beautiful and cheap, which will stand no tear and wear. Beautiful, cheap, Gossamer gauze, thou film shadow of a raw material of virtue which art not woven, nor likely to be into duty. Thou art better than nothing, and also worse. Young boarding school boys, college students, shout, Viva la nation, and regret that they have yet only their sweat to give. What say we of boys? Beautifulest Hebes, the loveliest of Paris, in their light air robes, with ribboned girdle of trickler, are there, shoveling and wheeling with the rest, their Hebe eyes brighter with enthusiasm, and long hair in beautiful dishevelment. Hard-pressed are their small fingers, but they make the patriot barrow go, and even force it to the summit of the slope, with a little tracing, with what man's arms were not too happy to lend then bound down with it again and go for more, with their long locks and tricklers blown back, graceful as the rosy hours. Oh, as that evening sun fell over the Champ de Mars and tinted with fire the thick umbrageous boskage that shelters it on this hand and on that, and struck direct on those domes and two-and-forty windows of the École Militaire and made them all of burnished gold, saw he on his wide zodiac road other such sight? A living garden, spotted and dotted with such flowerage, all colours of the prism, the beautifulest blent friendly with the usefulest, all growing and working brother-like there under one warm feeling, were it but four days, once and no second time. But night is sinking, these nights too, into eternity. The hastiest traveller of Versailles has drawn bridle on the heights of Chaillot and looked for moments over the river, reporting at Versailles what he saw, not without tears. Meanwhile, from all points of the compass, federates are arriving, fervent children of the south who glory in their Mirabeau, considerate north-blooded mountaineers of Jura, 
sharp Breton with their Gaelic suddenness, Normans not to be overreached in bargain, all now animated with one noblest fire of patriotism, whom the Paris brethren marched forth to receive with military solemnities, with fraternal embracing and a hospitality worthy of the heroic ages. They assist at the assembly's debates, these federates. The galleries are reserved for them. They assist in the toils of the Champ de Mars. Each new troop will put its hand to the spade, lift a hod of earth on the altar of the fatherland. But the flourishes of rhetoric, for it is a gesticulating people, the moral sublime of those addresses to an august assembly, to a patriot restorer. Our Breton captain of federates kneels even in a fit of enthusiasm, gives up his sword, he wet-eyed to a king wet-eyed. Poor Louis. These, as he said afterwards, were among the bright days of his life. Reviews also there must be. Royal federate reviews with king, queen and trickler court looking on. At lowest, if as is too common it rains, our federate volunteers will file through the inner gateways, royalty standing dry. Nay, there, should some stop occur, the beautifulest fingers in France may take you softly by the lapel and in mild flute voice ask, Monsieur, of what province are you? Happy he who can reply, chivalrously lowering his sword's point, Madame, from the province your ancestors reigned over. He, that happy provincial advocate, now provincial federate, shall be rewarded by a sun-smile and such melodious glad words addressed to a king. Sire, these are your faithful Lorrainers. Cheerier verily in these holidays is this sky-blue faced with red of a national guardsman than the dull black and grey of a provincial advocate, which in workdays one was used to. For the same thrice-blessed Lorrainer shall this evening stand sentry at a queen's door and feel that he could die a thousand deaths for her. Then again at the outer gate, and even a third time she shall see him, Nay, he will make her do it, presenting arms with emphasis, making his musket jingle again, and in her salute shall there again be a sun-smile, and that little blonde lock, too hasty dauphin, shall be admonished. Salute then, monsieur, don't be unpolite. And therewith she, like a bright sky-wanderer or planet with her little moon, issues forth peculiar. But at night, when patriot spade work is over, figure the sacred rites of hospitality. Le Patelier San Fargo, a mere private senator but with great possessions, has daily his hundred dinner guests. The table of Generalissimo Lafayette may double that number. In lowly parlour as in lofty saloon, the wine cup passes round, crowned by the smiles of beauty, be it of lightly tripping grisette or of high-sailing dame, for both equally have beauty and smiles precious to the brave. End of Book 1, Chapter 11